Broadcasting from the unknown regions in a galaxy far, far away, MRC Tech presents The Last Podcast. Episode 12, everyone, and welcome to The Last Podcast. I am your host, Sean, and we are happy to have you aboard the ship as we travel through the unknown regions. If you're new to the podcast or you need a reminder, you can support the podcast through donations using PayPal. Donate a dollar and get an exclusive Last Podcast sticker. Support the show so we can give the hyperdrive an update. Head on over to mrctechllc.com backslash become a fan for more information. If you like game streams, come on out and join me as I play through a series of games on Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer. Join the chat and follow the channels. On tonight's podcast agenda for episode 12, we are jumping into the brand spanking and final trailer of The Rise of Skywalker in our hyperspace spot. We're going to spend a considerable amount of time on the trailer so strap in as we move on to the hollow net highlights we're going to highlight some characters from star wars that are favorites from starwars.com we're going to talk about how critics are gushing over the mandalorian and then finish off the hollow net highlights with how jedi fallen orders story was created according to the creator we'll move on to part four of Rogue One in That's No Moon. It's a breakdown. We'll talk tickets and anticipation for the rise of Skywalker in our final approach. We're going to cover a very special location in Ship's Log concerning the Death Star 2. And we'll finish up episode 12 with comms chatter as we discuss all things in the Star Wars galaxy. So put that seatbelt on, get that cup of coffee, turn the volume up, and let's get ready to hit that hyperspace spot. Ready? Punch it. Monday, October 21st, 2019. The Rise of Skywalker's final trailer hit the airwaves at around 9.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I went live on Instagram to chronicle the reaction of the Rise of Skywalker trailer and then put it up on the Instagram feed and edited it a little bit and put it up on the YouTube feed so you can actually catch that, but it was nice. We were able to share our reactions live through Instagram uh, with some of the uh, people I interact with, uh, and it was just it was just such a treasure to have that community, to have the people uh, who were so patiently waiting for this final trailer come together one last time to check it out. I remember when the Force Awakens debuted on Monday Night Football, and I remember 
when The Last Jedi debuted on Monday Night Football. And just like with anything new, we were highly anticipating the the following movies. And for me, and I'll be honest, The Last Jedi for me has has waned. I, I see more of its flaws now than I do as it's uh, a movie. Uh, doesn't make it a good movie, doesn't make it a bad movie, but I kind of... I'm seeing that was it a waste of time? I don't know. Uh, maybe did it did it move the story along enough? Is the rise of Skywalker going to do damage control? Are we going to retcon some things? I don't know. But I do know that I'm not as excited for the final movie as I was for the episode 7. That's a fact. Uh I'm not gushing over it, but does this trailer change my mind that's the big question does this trailer change my mind did it change your mind i don't know so what we're going to do we're going to start off like we always start off we're going to watch the trailer together and by watch i mean i'm going to i'm going to watch it and you're going to listen and i'm sure you've already seen it if you're listening to this podcast and what i can tell you is that it's number 2 on youtube trending I wonder what number one is. It has 17 million views in two days. And from 8 p.m., no, I'm sorry, from 9.30 p.m. roughly to the next morning, it got 4 million views. So Star Wars is dead, right? Doesn't seem it to me. Doesn't seem it to me. So why don't we check this out together, and then we're going to break this trailer down in our hyperspace spot as we start our journey into episode 12. Here we go. It's an instinct. together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does
whoa, 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 my goodness. Doesn't matter how many times I watch it. It's just so good. It's so good. This trailer is so good. In fact, I'll do a little something extra where I'll queue up the Force Awakens final trailer just to see the vibe because the vibe of that trailer is just it is something to have it is something to think about i just before we get to the breakdown i just want to cue that up i I can't believe how good that is uh it's awesome Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Stand in our way. I will finish what you started. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Yeah, I tell you, uh, that it does not have the same feeling as the Rise of Skywalker trailer. It just doesn't. It can't. Uh, that was the official Force Awakens trailer, and it does not have the same vibe. In fact, it has a, sort of a wonderment vibe, right? It has a, a beginning vibe. You know, it doesn't have that. Uh, epic epicness that is the the trailer that we just saw. So, you know, it's very interesting. And just you know, to compare, we sort of need to watch the uh, Last Jedi. So why don't we just do that? Let's do it now. When I found you, I saw raw. Untamed power. 
and beyond that, something truly special. say that's the worst one sorry they attempted to do major major swerves in that trailer like none of it makes any sense like the force awakens made sense in the trailer the last jedi didn't really make a lot of sense in the trailer which is why it was super confusing for people who were expecting one thing but got the other i you know it's interesting so before we get to the breakdown, let's watch it one more time. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker final trailer. It's an instinct. together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. I waited, and now you're coming together. Is your undoing. 
What, uh, what are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Yes, let's get started into our trailer breakdown. One thing I do want to mention right at the end of the Rise of Skywalker trailer, it ends with Rey looking into the camera. And how The Force Awakens started was Rey in her uh, scavenger gear. So was that done on purpose? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. So the way this trailer breakdown is going to work is pretty simple. We're just going to talk facts. We're going to play a little bit. We're going to stop it. We're going to talk facts. We're going to see what we see. We are not going to speculate. We're not going to create theories and strangeness in your brain. I'm just going to tell you what I see, and you can agree or disagree with me. So as the trailer starts out, you know, we're hearing um, jungle noises, which is cool. Uh, a beautiful, nice little jungle scene. Low angle shot. We have, uh, seems to be some sort of helmet. I think it's some sort of training helmet. And Ray is running away from a training droid, and she deflects a shot from that training droid. It's an instinct. We have John Boyega telling us that it's an instinct. She is... Uh, running and jumping over large chasms, which is pretty cool. And it cuts to a scene where she is jumping from some kind of wrecked area, which I believe is not in the same place that the jungle is because it's completely different and she seems a little bit more sweaty. We're not going to speculate. Feeling... It fades to together. John Boyega, who just seems very concerned looking through binoculars of what he's looking at. The Force has brought us together. It cuts back to Rey. A, w- a wonderful shot of her. Running with her lightsaber again in a jung- on a jungle. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. Okay, let's back this up just a tad. We've got sort of a command center. Uh, looks like people are gathered under a ship, maybe. Uh, we've got Poe, Finn, and Chewie in front of a orange and white X-Wing, which then transitions into... We're not alone. We're not alone. We've got Rose. It's sort of a, a resistance base. 
Dominic Monaghan in the background with somebody I can't recognize, maybe Lieutenant Connix. We'll fight if we lead them. We got a beautiful Tantive four type ship or a blockade runner, like skimming the tree lines in such a cool shot. People keep telling me they know me. People keep telling me they know me. We on that water ocean planet with the remnants of the Death Star 2. No one does. Ray just, she looks pissed off and I love it. Enter Kylo Ren soaking wet. No one knows me. He says, I do. Transfers, transitions to just TIE fighters, not sure if they're First Order. They look like First Order. They feel like First Order. And it's just a fleet of TIE fighters going to this ice planet. Long have I, Long waited. Have I waited. Emperor Palpatine, a throne. It's got spikes. It looks menacing. It is evil. We have a Star Destroyer breaking free of the ice, I guess, just rising up. Uh, It moves into a fleet of what looks like an unlimited amount of resistance ships with different uh, categories of ships and shapes of ships led by the Millennium Falcon itself, and I peek a few Easter eggy sort of things, but we're not going to talk about it because we're just going to talk facts. I'm looking at what I see, and I see a hammerhead. I see a ship that resembles the ghost from Rebels. I see Rebellion transports. I see just a bunch of different looking ships, which is cool. You're coming together. We have the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie looking at Ray. Ray looking at Chewie. Some kind of homing beacon. Poe and Finn coming into the seats. We have lightsaber battle between Rey and Kylo Ren on what looks like the Death Star 2 in the middle of an ocean. A random explosion out of nowhere. Not sure why it is there, what it is there. Is that a planet? Is it a ship? Is it a star? Is your undoing. Coming together is your undoing. We have this snow this or not snow this water skiff speeder with which presumably our heroes are on a rolling tour of the death star 2 what uh what are you doing there 3PO taking one last look sir at my friends complete bomb dropping there was not expecting that scene at all didn't even consider the fact that 3PO might be on a mission that leads to somewhere, but he's saying that he's just taking one last look at his friends to very somber music. It's beautiful. Oh, Chewie and Finn just lighting up Stormtroopers. We have again the hug of Leia and Rey. This is the third time they've showed it. It's the destiny of a Jedi. Uh, facing your fear is the the destiny of a Jedi. We have BB-8 and is probably the Pisana speeder shooting off yellow fireworks. A classic Finn woe 
Lando and Chewie. Lando is just so happy and jovial. Your destiny. Y-Wing lighting up the sky. Uh, crushes through two TIE fighters going toward a Star Destroyer. The saga will end. We have those horse creatures with the tusks just, you know, running up the side of a Star Destroyer. What? Uh, Ray and Kylo Ren facing off, which looks very similar to the throne room in Return of the Jedi. Finn is now on the Death Star 2, screaming Ray again. It transitions immediately to a very white-looking room that is very First Order-y type of room, and it's Ray and Kylo Ren both slashing at something, and it just crumbles. Finn, Poe, and uh, C-3PO looking at something. Space-ish battle. Kylo Ren looking menacing. Rey sort of slowly backing up as something is coming towards her with the pat with Palpatine's laugh in the background, and it goes dark. The Force be with you, always. My guess is this movie is just going to be absolutely outstanding. I can't wait. I'm so, so, so excited. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for my anticipation of the movie and uh, what I did the night of Monday, October 21st. But I can't, I can't gush over this enough. I'm going to have to bring in some people for a special breakdown of the Rise of Skywalker trailer and bring in some of my buds just to talk about it because it is so deep with so many scenes, you know, catch that soon as we take care of it. But as we come out of hyperspace, that has been our hyperspace spot. It is so nice to see all, tra- all the three official trailers back to back to back and to break down the new trailer is just fantastic. And I hope you uh, enjoyed that and maybe you got some new insight. But again, we just spoke the facts. We're not going to speculate. We are not that far away from the movie now we are under two months, and it's just going to be so much fun uh, to see what's going on there. So stay tuned. As always, the podcast cannot exist without the loveliness of the We Pod Squad. We podcast and we know things debuts an episode every Friday talking all your nerdy news and pop culture references that you're looking for in a podcast. Sharing every other Tuesday with the last podcast is the Ion Ryan Show. Make sure you catch his latest episode, which just dropped on October 22nd. So make sure you follow the la- uh, follow the last podcast and follow We Podcast and We Know Things feed for all your latest news as it comes to things around the galaxy, in the movie cabinet, and in Ion Ryan's mind. Make sure you follow, like, comment, subscribe on all of our Instagram handles, We Podcast and We Know Things, Ion Ryan, and the MRC Tech. The Holonet Highlights is a collection of stories found around the galaxy, and due to the time constraints of breaking down the Rise of Skywalker trailer, episode 12's Holonet Highlights will be super-duper short, starting with 11 
of our favorite Star Wars characters that started in books and comics. One of the great things about Star Wars is that there are multiple ways to enjoy the stories of the galaxy far, far away through nearly every conceivable medium. A television series has the advantage of having time to develop minor characters that the film might not be able to focus on, while the written word or a comic book can easily peer into the mind of heroes and villains alike. Since Star Wars stories are all connected in one sweeping saga, characters from one story sometimes return in later stories, even if those later stories are in a different format. After all, a great character is a great character. In celebration of Star Wars Reads this month, let's honor some fan-favorite characters that started out on the pages of books and comics old and new. Thrawn. First appearing in the Legends story Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn in 91, Grand Admiral Thrawn was a superb foil to our heroes. The Chiss strategist, more formally known as Mithronorendo, was a sinister villain but a super competent imperial leader. Outthinking his opponents through his observations of individuals and cultures, through their actions and art, and inspiring loyalty among those under his command. Though he was defeated by the end of his namesake trilogy, the white-clad alien admiral quickly jumped from the novels to comic adaptations and video game appearances and returned for a new generation in Star Wars Rebels in 2017. And with a new trilogy of novels by Zahn focusing on his career at the height of the Empire. Plus, there's even more Thrawn stories on the horizon. Dr. Aphra Dr. Chelly Aphra became a breakout star soon after she was introduced in 2015 in Marvel's Darth Vader No. 3, written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by Salvador La Roca. A criminal archaeologist of questionable morals and accompanied by her murder-happy droids BT-1 and Triple Zero, she is first seen on a mission for Darth Vader and manages to escape with her life. She received instant popularity among fans for being a complicated character, unpredictable in her ethics, fun-loving, flawed, and diverse. She soon appeared in the main Marvel Star Wars title before getting her own ongoing monthly series in late 2016, becoming the first original character not from the movies to get her, on to get her own ongoing series by Marvel. Now with over 40 issues, including annuals written first by Gillen and then later by Simon Spurrier, Aphra was even the focus of a short story in the Star Wars A New Hope-themed anthology from a certain point of view, and got her own action figure in 2018. Quinlan Voss in Ayla Secura Before her appearance in the Geonosian arena in Star Wars Attack of the Clones, and her last stand on Felucia in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, the Twilight Jedi Ayla Secura and her mentor, the unorthodox Jedi Master Quinlan Voss, were fan-favorite characters of the Dark Horse Comics' ongoing Star Wars series, later retitled Legends Republic, under the writing of John Ostrander with artwork by Jan Dorsima. Uh, Starting in the Twilight arc in 2000, where Ayla has been kidnapped and Quinlan has had his memory erased, the two eventually reunite to stop a conspiracy, leading from the space mines of Ryloth all the way to the Senate, constantly edging closer and closer to the dark side. Quinlan undertook many of an undercover missions for the Jedi and was kept from straying too far by his friendship and his former Padawan, Ayla, now a general during the Clone Wars. Ayla's character 
moved to the big screen in the prequels after her introduction in the comics, but Quinlan Voss, based on the split-second background character in Moss Espa in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, got a mention in dialogue in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, and later appeared in an episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, helping Obi-Wan in The Hunt for Zero in 2010 before becoming one of the lead characters in the 2015 novel Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. The novel was based on unproduced The Clone Wars scripts by Katie Lucas, in which Quinlis Voss teams up with Asajj Ventress in an undercover plot to assassinate Count Dooku. Vi, Moradi, and Cardinal Fans first met Vi Moradi on the page in Phasma 2017 by Delilah S. Dawson, but can now see the flesh-and-blood character in Black Spire Outpost at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. As one of General Organa's top resistance spies and a knitting enthusiast, Vi recounts the secret story of how Phasma came to join the First Order while being interrogated by Phasma's rival, the ruthlessly loyal red-armored soldier Cardinal. The, get, the adventures of Cardinal and Vi resumed in the post-Star Wars The Last Jedi time frame with the summer's release of Galaxy's Edge Black Spire, also written by Dawson. The latest sees Vi put in charge while still recovering from her torture and Cardinal, now a jaded defector from the First Order, attempt to establish a base on Batuu and become recruiting for the Resistance while being hunted by Cardinal's former colleagues. Ray Sloan Ray Sloan is another Star Wars villain that readers ended up rooting for and clamoring to see again. Competent, ambitious, and yet strongly loyal to the Empire, she is able to see the larger picture of how some Imperial policies and some Imperial leaders are detrimental to the overall success of the Empire. First appearing as a young but capable Star Destroyer captain in A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller in 2014, Sloan works against and even briefly in collaboration with Kane and Jarrus when the former Jedi comes out of hiding to fight Imperial injustice. In Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy, after being the senior, the senior naval officer to survive the Battle of Endor, she allies with Gallius Rax in building up the Empire in order to keep fighting the rebels. After disagreeing with his overall leadership and having him use her aid to assassinate her, Grand Admiral Sloan and Rax turn on each other while the Imperial forces get hammered at Jakku, and she emerges to survive and withdraw as one of the leaders of the Contingency, the beginnings of the First Order. Like Thrawn, she represents the best of the Empire, loyal, ambitious, calculating, willing to be ruthless but not evil, or willing to squander her troops or resources. But unlike her Chiss colleague, she is able to play the political game as well. Griff. So far, we've, we've covered several bad guys and gals and a couple of heroes, but where's the love for scoundrels? Marn Hierogriff, a.k.a. Griff, is a favorite rogue to root for. The Snivian con man is always looking for the next hustle, but ends up on the lam with his one-time pursuer, the Padawan, Zane Carrick, when the two are wrongfully framed for the murder of Zane's Jedi classmates at the start of the Legends Knights of the Old Republic comic series, written by John Jackson Miller for Dark Horse Comics. As a smooth liar and self-proclaimed mastermind, Griff uses his illicit skill set to help Carrick and their friends survive being hunted by Jedi, getting caught up in the Mandalorian Wars and more harrowing adventures. As the smart mouth of the team, Griff adds a little levity when things get serious and is quick to complain when notoriety goes from getting respect to getting shot at. Tanel Ka. 
Readers first got to know Legend's character, Tanel Ka, as a red-haired teenager, best friend and humorless classmate at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy to Jason and Jaina Solo, and Lobaka in the Young Jedi Knight series of junior novels by Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Mosta, published from 1995 to 1998. While she was the heir to the Hapen throne through her father's side, she was more comfortable in her mother's culture of Dathromirin light side witches and even made her lightsaber hilt from a rancor's tooth. While a lightsaber mishap left her with one arm, she was still a warrior and Jedi to be reckoned with as the teens battle new threats to the galaxy. Later, during the events of the New Jedi Order series, Tenelka fought on a key strike mission against the Yuzan Vong and later was selected as the Hapen Queen Mother. With a rebuilt Hapen fleet under her command, she became a key member of the Galactic Alliance. After the Vong were defeated, she and Jason Solo secretly had a baby girl, Alana, and she left the Jedi Order to rule Hapus. Tenelka's love for Jason turned to loathing as he slipped into the dark side and turned against and turned against and her and their child in the fate of the Jedi series. Mr. Bones. On their own, B1 battle droids aren't very scary, but when a young Temin Wexley builds his own droid bodyguard and friend out of a junked battle droid, the result is Mr. Bones. A lethal protector with a vibrobrate arm programmed with multiple martial arts styles and a warped sensibility, Bones would often hum or sing while rampaging through foes or, as he calls it, committing violence. A key member of the team in the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig, Mr. Bones was obedient and loyal to his maker and even a little affectionate to Temin and his mother, Nora. Able to repair himself and upgraded several times after losing limbs in battle, Bones is a formidable fighter, but it is the combination of his almost childlike comic view of the world and his penchant for dealing death that made him a fan favorite. And finally, Mara Jade. Emperor's Hand, Smuggler, Jedi, Love of Luke Skywalker, all around B.A. of a woman. Fan favorite Mara Jade has been all these things in her life and cemented her place in Star Wars Legends as a main character on par with Luke, Leia, and Han. When she was first introduced in Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire in 1991, she had already restarted her life after Endor from being a secret agent and assassin, reported, reporting directly to the Emperor via the Force to rising to second-in-command of Talon Card's smuggling organization. Mara Jade continued to appear in novels, starred in her own comic miniseries, Mara Jade, by The Emperor's Hand, by Timothy Zahn and Michael Stackpole, with art by the late Carlos Esquera, and eventually grew closer to the one she once was compelled to kill, the Jedi who saw past her background and helped her heal, Luke Skywalker. They eventually married in the Star Wars Union comic by Stackpole and artist Robert Taranishi and Christopher Chukri, and she became a full Jedi, taking Jaina Solo as an apprentice before she and Luke had a son, Ben Skywalker, during the New Jedi Order series. Before falling to the Sith Lord Dark Cadus, her own nephew, in the Fate of the Jedi series in 2007. Just how popular is Mara Jade? When Star Wars Insider Magazine ran a poll of favorite characters in 97, Mara Jade was the only non-movie character to make the list. She has appeared in numerous video games, and her red-haired, green-eyed likeness has graced several action figures, gaming miniatures, and more often portrayed by model Shannon McRandall. This article was brought to you by James Floyd, who's a writer, photographer, and organizer of Puzzle Adventures. 
He's a bit tall for a Jawa. You can follow him on Twitter, at James Jawa, or check out his articles on Club Jade and Big Shiny Robot. Thanks, James, for doing that. So for me, a lot of the characters that I know come from new canon. Uh, a lot of the characters I do not know come from Legends. So, for example, let's see, Griff I was unfamiliar with, Tanel Ka I was unfamiliar with, and Mara Jade I was unfamiliar with. But it's nice to learn these stories just to see a little bit of the history of Star Wars and where it has come and where it could possibly go in the future. It sounds like Mara Jade was a home run in the Star Wars universe uh, in the 1990s and I hope that they bring her back. I hope that maybe the Emperor in Rise of Skywalker somehow invokes Mara Jade and would the fans go crazy? I guess so but that would sort of be out of left field so we shall see what happens. What's your favorite Star Wars character? DM me and I'll read it out on the next episode of The Last Podcast. Moving on to The Mandalorian. Super excited for this series. It is only two weeks away, about two weeks away. And uh, we've got some early reviews on it. So I just want to share a little insight into this. And it's just a few tweets, nothing to be crazy uh, the critics, according to Mashable.com, which is kind of like a wonky site, critics gush over first look at the Disney Plus Star Wars show, The Mandalorian. So let's give a little background. A looks like Star Wars first ever live action television series is going to be a slam dunk. Critics caught a glimpse of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian due in November at a Disney hosted press event on Saturday, and they shared their initial reactions with fans via social media. Although these critics saw only 27 minutes of footage comprised of disjointed scenes edited together to avoid spoilers, many felt confident in vouching for the show. Seemingly a dream Star Wars edition, The Mandalorian aims to answer long-held questions about the franchise while expanding upon the universe in an inventive style. So let's see what people saw, even though they didn't see a full clip of it. Uh, by Steven Weintraub. Saw 27 minutes of The Mandalorian. It's as awesome as you want it to be. Can't say anything specific, but one scene answered a question that I don't think has ever been explained, shown in any Star Wars movie. Love that it opens up the Star Wars universe in a cool way. Mansoor Mithawala saw almost 30 minutes of The Mandalorian footage this morning. It's truly incredible. It looks like the film feels innately Star Wars, introduces new concepts, and adds layers that people have been waiting to see for a long time. Ash Crossan, I believe, of EW. Just watched 27 minutes of a Mandalorian footage and legit cried. Can't say much. This is real and it's happening and it feels so freaking Star Wars. Dorian Parks just screened 27 minutes of footage from the Mandalorian. Everything I saw looked incredible. Feels completely different than anything we've seen in the Star Wars universe. Uh, uh, Pedro Pascal kills it in the mode of the strongest, most silent type. Just saw footage of The Mandalorian, and it's amazing, by Black Girl Nerds. It's a thrilling dive back into the Star Wars universe. Fans will love the attention to detail. The score is killer. It's intense and a good time. Can't wait to see the entire series. Mandalorian is on Disney+, Plus, November 12th. So up and down the gambit, it seems like pity, uh, people were pretty impressed with it. But, of course, this only showed the positive. I am sure there are some negative reviews out there. But I guess we'll find out November 12th which is only about two weeks away. So get ready, get strapped in. It's going to be a good time over on Disney+. Plus. And of course, we're going to have 
a new segment on the show when The Mandalorian does come out to discuss all of the insider secrets concerning Disney Plus's new TV show. In the final article of the Holonet Highlights, we are going to look into Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and check out a article uh, written from the perspective of Respawn's Aaron Contreras. If there's one thing you absolutely need to know about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, EA and Respawn's entertainment's upcoming video game from a galaxy far, far away, it's this. As Padawan Cal Kestis, you'll be able to slow blaster bolts in midair before positioning the stormtroopers that fire the Jedi projectiles in their path. While this ability alone should see fans eagerly diving into this new story-driven action adventure, it barely scratches the surface of what players can expect from the final game when it lands November 15th. From awesome force abilities and an original Star Wars story to cool character cameos and an adorable new companion droid, you could you could you could fill a Tie Fighter hangar with all the game's fan-pleasing features. StarWars.com dug into all this and much more with Aaron Contreras, Respawn's narrative lead on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Can you set up the story and where Jedi Fallen Order unfolds in the Star Wars timeline? AC. You play as a Jedi named Cal Kestis, who is on a quest to restore the Jedi Order and survive as he's being hunted by the Imperial Inquisition. It's set between episodes... Three and four, so it's during what we call the dark times when the Empire is totally dominant over the galaxy and there is no hope. It's an authentic Star Wars story. SW. Given the authenticity of the story, is Lucasfilm heavily involved in the project? AC. We work very closely with Lucasfilm on the production. They are our production partners and they are with us every step of the way throughout concept and development. They are on set during all of our performance capture. They are playing builds of the game, so they are right there with us to give their opinion and make sure that it is an authentic Star Wars product. SW. Can you talk a bit about the balance between introducing new characters and locations versus Cal's encounters with existing faces and places from Star Wars universe? AC. Roughly half of our locations already exist in the Star Wars universe. In our E3 demo, you deal with the Wookiees over on Kashyyyk. You meet Saul Guerrero and the Wookiee Chieftain and General Tarful, who is a character in Revenge of the Sith, is mentioned. So we're adding a whole new lot of stuff to Star Wars, but everywhere along the line we want this to feel like something pulled right out of the cinematic experience. We spend a lot of time trying to get the details right. SW. What can players expect from the lightsaber combat? Is it more button mashy or strategic? AC. Our game director characterizes at, characterizes it as thoughtful combat, and that's how we pr approach it. If you just go in and blindly start swinging, you'll be successful in some situation against some s opponents. But we try to create a combat design where the player thinks about stuff, analyzes the situation, and is aware of what their toolset is at, the, at that given point in time. You need to really look at the situation, the environment, the terrain. Do you have the high ground, for example? What enemies are you facing? What are their capabilities? And then sort of do the right movement at the right time for the best results. In terms of depth versus accessibility, we are really trying to check off both boxes. Obviously, we're making this game for a very broad audience. Star Wars is for everyone in every way. We really believe that on the team, and we want to push that. So if you're a Star Wars fan, you can have a really good experience with Fallen Order. At the same time, if you're passionate about gaming and if you're especially passionate about melee comic games, you'll have a lot of depth that you can get out of Fallen Order. SW. 
How will the force powers complement this nuanced lightsaber combat? AC. I'd say your primary tool and the primary weapon of the Jedi is the lightsaber, but you have an array of force powers that you can deploy in combat. And you have to use the right power at the right time. Against some of the opponents, you can sort of knock them around with any ability, but if you're watching closely, you'll see in the Purge Trooper fight in the demo, the player attempts to use force pull and the trooper plants his staff into the ground to block it. He then goes with the momentum and flies at the hero and actually gets a hit on him because of that. So there are some abilities that will counter certain force moves. It's all about the using the right ability at the right time. And then, of course, as our hero goes through the game and his connection to the force deepens, he'll develop more powers and have more of an arsenal of abilities to play. SW, will those abilities grow and progress through an upgrade system of some sort? AC, we don't want to talk too much about progression or the skill system at this point, other than saying we do have one. I will say we have some force powers that you can make better, and that's driven by the experiences Cal has throughout the game. And then you'll learn whole new force powers at various points throughout the game. SW, when not engaged in combat, it looks like Cal does a lot of traverse and exploration. Will platforming be a significant part of the adventure? AC. Platforming and exploration are a huge part of Jedi Fallen Order. It will be a lot of navigation in the environment, like swinging on ropes, climbing up walls, making leaps across chasms as you make your way through the game. It's that sort of action-adventure DNA that we're putting into the game. He's very much an agile, developing Jedi hero, and he's going to be navigating through the world in very kind of unconventional ways, including the wall run, of course. SW. Cal's companion droid... BD-1 is completely new to the Star Wars universe. Can you offer some details on its history and role in the game? AC. You'll meet BD-1 relatively early in the game. He quickly becomes Cal's closest companion because for a good percentage of the time, he's riding around on his back. He's your best pal and he's kind of going to experience the entire story with you every step of the way. He's an explorer's companion droid, so the depiction of BD-1 is a relatively uncommon droid designed as the perfect companion to somebody who's an explorer or an archaeologist or adventurer who is out in the wild. So if you are a researcher or a scientist who is off on some crazy backwoods planet, you have a BD unit with you and it's sort of there to give you your first aid, help you in your research. It's a very intentional design of the sort of stuff he'll do in the game. He'll shoot out little stim packs for you, which is how you heal yourself. He can scan things in the environment, so if there's some kind of interesting piece of technology or weird alien form that you encounter, BD-1 is super excited to run over and scan that sort of thing. That also adds it to your databank, kind of our in-game codex and also source of player progression. You also tweak him and he'll evolve over the course of the game. He obtains an ability called Overcharge, which causes him to overcharge certain technological things, and he can hack doors and do stuff like that. So he's kind of your solution for all things technological going on in the game. SW. Anything else you can tease for fans actually waiting the game's arrival? AC. I can just say that we've introduced this hero who's kind, who's kind of on this crazy quest to restore the Jedi Order during the darkest times in galactic history. There's so much more in both the story and the environments and the gameplay, and we can't wait to share it with the world. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order arrives November 15th on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, and is available for pre-order now. Thank you to Matt Cabral who has covered film, television, and video games for over a decade. And you can follow him on Twitter at GameGoat or find him in his basement of an abandoned building hoarding all the canned goods, medkits, and shotgun shells. I must say I am super excited for this game. It is another thing that I will be playing pretty soon. 
uh, especially on the stream. So make sure you check out the stream soon as we will be playing Jedi Fallen Order. And that concludes the Hollow Net highlights. We covered three different topics, 11 characters you may or may not have heard about, new Star Wars The Mandalorian critics gushing over the uh, content that they saw, and finally, a look into the written story and development of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order with Respawn's Aaron Contreras. Let's power down the satellite dish and let's move on to That's No Moon. It's a breakdown. Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. That's no moon. It's a breakdown. In part four, the Rogue One edition, we've got about an hour left in our story. We're going to do about a half hour of the story right now, or maybe 20 minutes, it depends, leading up to the Battle of Scarif is my assumption. We're maybe a little bit into it, we'll see, uh, but we've got such a dynamic movie going on. Uh, it's been a while since part three, so let me just recap it for you. Our heroes come together on Jeddah. Jeddah gets exploded. They move on to Eadu. Cassian is ordered to kill him. And by him, I mean Galen. They find out... Well, Jin finds out that Galen has been planning this all along. Jin's feelings towards Galen has changed. Cassian doesn't end up killing him. Krennic shows up, kills all the engineers. X-Wings show up. <laughs> they kill a lot of other people. There's a lot of things going on. So as they escape in a stolen Imperial transport, uh, we're about to see the aftermath of all that has happened to our uh, Rogue One characters, including Jyn Erso, Chirrut Imwe, Baze Malbus, Bodhi Rook, Cassian Andor, and of course, and K2SO. So if you're listening at home or watching at home, not driving and watching, we're at the 1 hour, 10 minute, and 24 second mark. Here we go. Part 4 of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story starts now. As they fly away, you do exploding. Chirrut reaches out with his hand, knowing that something has happened, something tragic has happened. Jin looking at Cassian, menacingly, may I add. You lied to me. You're in shock. Mm. You went up there to kill my father. You don't know what you're talking about. Deny it. You're in shock. I'm looking for some place to put it. I've seen it before. I bet you have. They know. You lied about why we came here, and you lied about why you went up alone. I had every chance to pull the trigger. But did I? Did I? You might as well have. My father was living proof, and you put him at risk. That's what alliance bombs that killed him. I had orders. Orders that I disobeyed. But you wouldn't understand that. Mm. Orders? When you know they're wrong. You might as well be a stormtrooper. What do you know? 
We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to care about something. Suddenly the rebellion is real for you. Some of us live it. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Hoping they explore that in the Cassian Andor series. Some of us just decided to do something about it. You can't talk your way around this. I don't have to. I don't have to. Strong. Strong. What a. Yavin 4. What a moment Make between sure our characters has. We have you know, Jin's most emotional moment. Anybody else? I like this. Cassian's sort of like, you know, he's a leader. He, he doesn't take it, you know. We have a brand new location brought to you by Darth Vader himself. And I still submit to the fact that Darth Vader's castle will be shown in The Rise of Skywalker. I'm betting on it. I also just got the Lego myself on Triple Force Friday. Super excited to build that. I know it's not the scale, no big deal. But it is a source of dark energy. It is a reminder that Vader was created on Mustafar. The Emperor made him create this castle. We are in the chamber of Vader and his back to tank. And this is like the first time we get different angles of Vader, not just in his mask, but he's hooked up to the back to tank. He looks super menacing. We see the back of his head all charred up or the side of his head. Doesn't have any arms, makes total sense. We don't get enough of it, but we get enough of it, if you know what I mean. So good. And then he makes his entrance with Krennic. With light behind him, just looks humongous in his shadow. Looming over Krennic. Such great cinematography. He does feel a little clunky. Um, the costume, I mean, it just, for me, it's something that I noticed, but it could be exactly the same. And what's nice is that it is a replica of A New Hope. And I think in Revenge of the Sith, it was a little different, uh, his front control panel. Lord Vader, you seem unsettled. No, just... Press for time. There's a great many things to attend to. My apologies. You do have a great many things to explain. I delivered the weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience to make certain that he understands its remarkable potential. Its power to create problems has certainly been confirmed. A city destroyed. An Imperial facility openly attacked. Governor Tarkin suggested the test. You were not summoned here to grovel, Director Krennic. No, it's... There is no Death Star. The Senate has been informed that Jeddah was destroyed in a mining disaster. Yes, my lord. I expect you not to rest until you can assure the Emperor that Galen Erso has not compromised this weapon in any way. 
the mannerisms are pretty so I'm good, though. Still in command. You'll speak to the emperor about. And we got our classic force choke scene, which is just incredible. Great acting <coughs> by Ben Middleton. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. Hated that Director. line. But I'm, I'm fine with it because Vader's notorious for his lines. I guess. Does he have lines? I don't know. But it was a good scene with Vader. I enjoyed it. We must scatter the fleet. And now we move on to we have no this Yavin 4 Rebel Alliance Are we meeting. Really talking about disbanding something that we worked so hard Bail to Organa. We can't just give in. We joined an alliance, not a suicide pact. We only now managed to gather our forces. Gather our forces? General Draven's already blown up an Imperial base. A decision needed to be made. If it's war you want, you'll fight alone. If that's how it's going, why have an alliance at all? If she's telling the truth, we need to act now. Counselors, please. It is simple. The Empire has the means of mass destruction. The Rebellion does not. Death Star, this is nonsense. What reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? To lure our forces into a final battle to destroy us once and for all. Risk everything. Based on what? The testimony of a criminal. The dying words of her father, an Imperial scientist. But don't forget the Imperial pilot. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just Jin Orso, leader. Send the best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. We need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. A line she heard from Cassie and no earlier. I say we fight! That'll be the rebellion is finished! I'm sorry, Jim. Without the full support of the council, the odds are too great. So the mission to Scarif is a no-go. Not enough people agree to it. She walks away. Jin does. In a flurry. They're at their lowest point in this movie because nothing is being done. You don't look happy. They prefer to surrender. And you? Mm -hmm. She wants to fight. So do I. We all do. The force is strong. I'm not sure four of us is quite enough. How many do we need? What are you talking about? But we have a surprise. My man Cassie. We're never going to believe you. I appreciate the support. But I do. I believe you. I'd like to volunteer. 
Some of us, most of us, we've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion. Spies. Spies. Saboteurs. Saboteurs. Assassins. Assassins. Everything I did, I did for the rebellion. And every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget, I told myself it was for a cause that I believed in. A cause that was worth it. Without that, we're lost. Everything we've done would have been for nothing. Wonderful speech. I couldn't face myself if I gave up now. None of us could. It won't be comfortable. Be a bit cramped, but we don't we don't fit. Yes. We can go. The teams. The team is coming together. Anything that's not the prep has started. It's a wonderful go, moment go, go. between our five characters plus K2. I'll be there for you. Cassian said I had to. Boom. Love the drop. Mic drop. I guess they're, they're BFFs now. Welcome home. go we got the <clears throat> the rebel fleet top end of the ships excellent I believe one of these scenes is choppers in it I think Boy. Ship's off limits. No one's supposed to be on board until further instructions. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, affirmative. That's an impounded Imperial ship. What's your call sign, pilot? Um. We have to go. It, it's, um. Come on, man. Say something. Come on. Rogue? Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Oh, yeah? Well, there is now. Rogue One. Pulling away. Pulling away. No one's... No one seems concerned. Like, no alarms are blaring. Even the guy in the watchtower is like, what is happening right now? Despite what the others say, war is inevitable. Yes, I agree. I must return to Alderaan uh, to my people that there will be no peace. We will need every advantage. Your friend, the Jedi. He served me well during the Clone Wars and has lived in hiding since the Emperor's purge. Yes, I will send for him. You will need someone you can trust. I would trust her with my life. Speaking to Leia, speaking. Obi-Wan Kenobi, oh baby, the connections are happening. Awesome. Okay, we're coming in. There's a planet-wide defensive shield with a single main entry gate. This shuttle should be equipped with an access code that allows us through. Assuming the Empire hasn't logged it is overdue. And if they have? Fair. Then they shut the gate. 
Men were all annihilated in the cold, dark vacuum of space. <laughs> Not me. I can survive in space. Great line. Another great line. They fly under a star destroyer. It's a wonderful scene in space above the planet of Scarif. Cargo shuttle SW0608 requesting a landing pad. Cargo shuttle SW0608, you're not listed on the arrival schedule. Acknowledged gate control. We were rerouted from Edu flight station. Transmitting clearance code now. Transmitting. It's a good story. Let's see if it pays off. As Jin holds on to her Kyber crystal from around her neck, hoping that it works. Cargo shuttle is W0608. You are cleared for entry. Here we go. <laughs> Impressive. I'll tell the others. Jin and Cassie and BFFs. Out of nowhere. You can see that the shield gate just has. A slew of TIE fighters. Ugh. SW0608. Cleared for landing pad 9. Acknowledge, please. SW0608 proceeding to LP9 as instructed. Main building down there. What is it? That's the Citadel Tower. They keep all the Imperial structural archives up there. If the plans are anywhere, they'll be there. The dish at the top. What's it for? I guess it takes a lot of signal to send those data files out. Landing track engaged. Landing track locked. Is it a calm before the storm, my friends? Like they all know it's a suicide We're mission. We're coming in. Sogorera used to say one fighter with a sharp stick, nothing left to lose can take the day. They've no idea we're coming. They've no reason to expect us. If we can make it to the ground, we'll take the next chance. And the next. On and on until we win. Or the chances are spent. Death Star plans are down there. Mm -hmm. Cassian, K2 and I will find them. We'll find a way to find them. Melshi, Pao, base turret. You'll take the main squad. Move east and get wide of the ship. Find a position between here and the tower. Once you get to the best spot, light the place up. It's a great plan. Make ten men feel like a hundred. And get those troopers away from us. What should I do? Keep the engine running. You're our only way out of here. Okay. They got a small contingent of rebel forces coming in. Again, a lovely, lovely scene in the tropics of Scarif, which just, you know, we've never had. 
anything so cool looking in Star Wars universe. SW0608. Be prepared to receive inspection team. Ready? Okay, here we go, here we go. Love the physical nature of the ship. Hello? Hey. Oh, probably looking for a manifest. That would be helpful. It's just down here. Boy, just like that, Krennic is on his way through the shield gate. We have our bad guy. Coming into contact with our good guys. They've disabled the inspection team pretty handedly. We got a nice moment between our fighters. Good luck, little sister. These moments they'll never forget, of course. Could be the last time they see each other. They're evacuating the shuttle and getting clear, going east. By the way, four people went in and two people and a robot coming out which means that the Empire are a bunch of silly goofballs not realizing this. No clearance needed. Let me just open that door for you, sir. I see you're wearing one of our uniforms, so you fit in. The Empire... I've got a bad feeling about me. Love it. Love it. Love the line. Classic line, right? People hated when Ryan Johnson didn't use it at all in The Last Jedi, which he technically did, but I don't count it, so it's kind of bogus. It should have been used. Love the music. Oh, my gosh. You can feel it's ramping up a little bit. A map. Well, I'm sure there's one just lying about. <laughs> you know what you have to do. This station is just full of troopers. Regular stormtroopers, sand troopers, K2 units, Imperial officers. Classic micro Pocket macro pack. binoculars. We want to draw them out. I'll call the timing. Go. Hey, did you hear the rumors? Yeah, the T-15s have been marked obsolete. Oh boy, it's about time for that. So the stormtroopers talking about the T-15s, uh, which I think in A New Hope, their stormtroopers are talking about the T-16s, which is cool. But Bays and Chirrut just lighten up these troopers. Setting charges. Belshi setting a charge. Pal setting charges. Boom, Chirrut, see it. Boom, bang. 
phase. We just shock you right in the neck here. More charges being set. Love it. What brings you to Scout? Kalen Urso. I want every dispatch, every transmission he has ever sent called up for inspection. All of them? Yes, all of them. Get started. I would be like pulling up a thousand emails. I don't know why he'd start there, but I, I, I get it. He's, he's a little paranoid, as he should be. K2 stealing some data from another K2 unit. the data vault places only 89 stormtroopers in our path. Wow. We will make it no more than 33% of the way before we are killed. Merci. Talk to me. Ready. Ready. Standing by. Okay. Here we go. It's time. Light it up. Baby, it has begun. Look at it. It's so spread out, they've got no idea what is happening. Are we blind? Deploy the garrison! Move! Frenick's like, what the French is happening? Base Malvis, my man. Bottlenecking the mob. Boom. Chair it. There is just laser fire everywhere. You can't even focus. Moving back. Sir, Scarif Base star. reporting a rebel incursion. I want to speak with Director Krennic. He's there, sir. On Scarif. The original plans for this station are kept there, are they not? They are. Prepare for the jump to hyperspace and inform Lord Vader. Now Tarkin on his way. I don't understand how the Death Star can move through hyperspace. I need a, I need an engineering team. That guy has a concussion. He just got hit in the head by a robotic hand from K2SO with hydraulic arm action. And that's unbelievable. This guy's good too. Oh, there's Chopper. Yep. At this scene. Yep, 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 yep. Intercepted Imperial transmission, Mom. Rebels on Scarif. I need to speak with Admiral Radisson. He's returned to his ship. He's going to fight. Oh, boy. That look from Mon Moth was like, yes! I needed this. I needed this moment to send them into battle. Let's go. Love the design of the Sand Troopers. Lots of firepower. X-Wing fighters, Y-Wing fighters, P-90 
people on their way. Somebody that looks like Liam Hemsworth, but it's not. Here we go. Scarif? Why does nobody ever tell me anything, Arthur? See, that's all you need to do. You, you throw in one of the characters that we know, and here they are. Good stuff. Oh, no. This is very smart by Bodie Rook. This is pad two, pad two. I spot 40 rebels heading west on pad two. Get on there, tell them to pin down my rebels on pad five. This is pad five, with being overrun. Help us. Pad 12, pad 10, pad eight, please confirm. Confirm and report. Get reinforcements down to pad five immediately. Krennic is like, if he could bite his nails, he would be. Right hand. Lighten up, everybody. Oh, my goodness. How scary. Like, can you imagine? There's like five of them. Oh, X-Wings coming out of hyperspace, and here we are into the battle of Scarif. And guess what? This is Admiral Reddish of the Rebel Alliance. All squadron leaders report in. Admiral, this is Blue Leader standing by. This is Gold Leader standing by. This is Red Leader standing by. Sir, those are rebel ships. Get Admiral Gore immediately. Okay, well, I have to finish. I have, we have to stop. Because if I don't stop now, we're going to finish the rest of the movie. <clears throat> cool part of all the, 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 the leaders report again is that they pulled actual footage from A New Hope into Rogue One to make that happen. So I was pleasantly pleased with Gold Leader and Red Leader coming out of nowhere. Of course, Blue Leader uh, doesn't make it because Blue Leader doesn't exist uh, in A New Hope, but it was a great tie in there. Oh my gosh, so much excitement uh, when the when the Scarif mission commences. This is where the movie really, really heats up. Uh, we're at the one hour and 38 minute mark, 12 seconds. That is, you know, we're almost at the 30 minute mark, but we're going to save the rest of this movie uh, for next time in part five of Rogue One. And that's No Moon. It's a breakdown. As we make our final approach, this podcast has been recorded over several different days to give a little bit of time between the Rise of Skywalker trailer debuting and the final recording of this podcast. So it's been six full days since the Rise of Skywalker trailer has debuted. 
So let's see what that means for ticket sales. For me personally, I bought tickets for Thursday night. It's a five o'clock showing, opening night uh, of, you know, it's a fan event. It's an opening night for AMC at my local theater. I have bought tickets for IMAX showing at 8.15 the following night. I have a Sunday morning-ish showing at about 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock doesn't sound right. 9 o'clock sounds better. And then I bought a ticket through Adam, A-T-O-M, for the following Sunday at like 11.15. I kind of just picked a random time. A single ticket. Mainly because Adam was having a pretty cool exclusive uh, Rise of Skywalker ticket thingy collectible, and it was only $10, and with my A-plus subscription, it was literally only $10, so I had to buy a ticket through Adam. But I anticipate seeing this movie about nine times in theaters if I had to take a guess, since I saw The Force Awakens seven times. I only saw The Last Jedi two times, as a little fun fact, but how did it stack up against some of our other movies for pre-sale? Well, I did a little digging between Deadline.com, Variety.com, and SlashFilm.com. And the consensus is that within the first hour of tickets going on sale, The Rise of Skywalker outsold all movies, including Avengers Endgame, by 45%. Now, that's just the first hour. In total pre-ticket sales, I believe Avengers Endgame still holds the top spot. But The Rise of Skywalker is now the number one pre-sold Star Wars movie out of the bunch, which bodes well. This trailer hit a home run. We broke it down. You saw it. The anticipation is high for The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm not going to stop talking about that trailer until the movie debuts. We won't cover any rumors on the Rise of Skywalker here? We're just going to talk facts. So if you want to talk to me about the Rise of Skywalker and you want to make a small appearance on the podcast, let's link up, let's make it happen, and we'll do a little fan reaction of several different people. So DM me on Instagram at the MRC Tech and we'll get it happening. In episode 12's ship log, we're going to take a look at the Death Star 2, one of the prime locations in the rise of Skywalker. Here's what the databank on StarWars.com has to say about it. Hoping to crush the rebellion once and for all, the Empire began construction of a second dreaded Death Star near Endor, but the project ran behind schedule like the first one. Death Star 2 was only half finished, and the Emperor himself visited to oversee its completion. A little history on the Galactic Civil War. In order to destroy Death Star 2, the Rebel Alliance developed a two-pronged strategy. Han Solo and his strike team would destroy the super weapons shield generator on Endor, while Lando Calrissian, piloting the Millennium Falcon, would lead an aerial assault. But when the Alliance came to mount its attack, the Emperor revealed a terrible surprise. Though it remained structurally incomplete, the Death Star 2 was still a fully armed and operational battle station. He gave the order to fire at will and easily destroyed one of the rebels, Rebel Fleet's large Mon Calamari star cruisers. Yet Lando refused to retreat and instead engaged the Empire's TIE fighters and star destroyers. The improvisation gave Rebel ground forces more time, and Han was eventually able to destroy Death Star 2's shield generator. 
Lando and Wedge Antilles and an X-Wing both flew inside the superstructure, knocking out its main reactor, and finally destroying Death Star 2. So more or less, we have a weapon that they created again, and we have a weapon that was fully operational, and our Rebel Alliance destroyed the weapon again. So it was a little bit of a reused story arc, but it looks like even though the massive nuclear explosion that was the Death Star 2, there has to be shrapnel, right? It just doesn't incinerate immediately, right? There has to be things that have been floating around space that make their way into suborbit and then make their way onto land. And I'm super excited to see how they incorporate the Death Star 2 structure into the Rise of Skywalker. So this has been your ship's log. We've got chatter coming in. Let me just adjust some buttons here. Let me just take it out. Put in the correct codes. Scan my finger. Okay, comms chatter for episode 12 was a little bit of a free-for-all. And I only had a response from M.Cassini. Thanks, Mike, for always supporting the show and, and contributing when you can. Especially when I get it out to you. Uh, but here's... The, he poses a question, and the question is this. And you can follow him on Instagram at m.cassini. Does the return of Sidious help or hurt the Star Wars franchise or story? What a question. Well, here's a little bit of an answer based on my book reading. In the Aftermath trilogy, it was known that the Emperor did have a contingency planned, and that plan was never really connected to the First Order. We just know that the Empire disappeared into the Unknown Regions. Now, out came the First Order, but that doesn't mean that the First Order was created from the contingency plan, if you follow my logic. There's not much we know about the First Order and how it was created. We have snippets like in Phasma. We have snippets in some comics. But how it went blow for blow, how the First Order captured children and raised them as stormtroopers was never really fully explored. So my guess is that when, when the Empire officially fell, there was two factions. There was people who were part of the contingency and people who weren't. Uh, and they, they both fled. And at some point, uh, the Empire, through other means, which I'm sure we'll find out, called out to these certain people that were known as the contingency and said, here I am, like, we're still, we're still operational, but we got to lay low. We're going to put out this little mask called the First Order, and the First Order is going to be our first line of defense in our retakeover of the galaxy. Now, whether or not that hurts or helps the storyline, it's a character we're all familiar with. It's a character we fear. It's a character that in Return of the Jedi we all wanted dead. Did, do I think his physical body is dead? Absolutely. Thrown down a shaft, blown up. He doesn't exist anymore as a physical body. But the Force moves in mysterious ways. Maybe what they should have done is upon the death of Snoke, there could have been a reference that Palpatine was his puppeteer. Or maybe we'll get that in The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. But I think 
will it help? It will help in rebuilding the franchise in terms of uh, fan appreciation. Will it hurt by just bringing back an old character for old character's sake? It's a tough question. I know when in the teaser trailer, when we heard his laugh for the first time, you had to freak out. There's no way you couldn't freak out. And then, there, of course, there was other people that were like, oh, my God, they're just reusing a character, which they're not wrong. But the way I see it, the Rise of Skywalker is going to fix a lot of errors that The Last Jedi had. We have a little space between them. We have a little air between them in terms of, of timeline. Things are happening. A year passes. A lot of things can happen within the year. You know, uh, will Sidious call out to Kylo Ren? Will Sidious invoke Force Ghost Vader? Will Sidious invoke the helmet? These are all things that are potential. I don't know. I don't really want to speculate. I don't really want to get into theories. I kind of just want to let it roll. We're so close. We are so close to the movie that I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to step onto any theories or stumble upon any spoilers. So we'll see. Will it help? Right now, I think it's helpful. Depending on how he's used, we'll determine the final call of whether or not he helped or hurt the Star Wars franchise. Eventually, the enemy has to go down. So will it happen now? Or will he just be put away like Ganon is in the Legend of Zelda series where he just comes back and manifests himself into a new body? I guess we'll find out. But thank you, M. Cassini, for that interesting question as we shut down comms chatter. Uh, and a little programming note, we're probably going to shut down comms chatter uh, until after the rise of Skywalker, but we will continue to accept your contributions to the show, but we're just going to do it in a little bit of a different way. So if you want to kind of come on and talk a little bit of Rise of Skywalker trailer, we're going to open that up. Uh, check out the Instagram page uh, for when that's going to happen. If you want to talk about anything or do a little segment on the show, uh, that's great. If you want to talk a little Resistance Season 2, that would be great. If you want to do a little bit of Mandalorian talk, that's going to be great. But i got to kind of make room uh, for new segments as the show is just jam-packed. And for me to talk for you know more than 90 minutes... As you can tell in the voice, it just doesn't work out. So we're going to shorten the show by removing some segments and uh, comms chatter for now. We're going to shut down the satellite. It is currently disabled. And uh, we're going to kind of go go silent for comms chatter for the time being. But we'll bring it back one day. So looking forward to uh, episode 13 as we continue our journey to the rise of Skywalker. We have officially 54 days into the rise of Skywalker, so that is something to be had, and uh, I'm really excited, I gotta say. I'm sure I'll buy more tickets as we get a little closer. But in episode 12, here's what we did. We talked to Hyperspace Spot, and it is a firecracker of a Hyperspace Spot. We broke down every official trailer of Star Wars' sequels from Force Awakens, Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. We talked about some cool articles, including 11 of our favorite Star Wars characters, critics gushing over the Mandalorian, and Jedi Fallen Order story uh, by Respawn's uh, creator. We covered part four of Rogue One, and the Battle of Scarif is just heating up. The Rebel Alliance has joined the fight. 
We talked about ticket sales in anticipation for the rise of Skywalker ship's log, including the Death Star 2, and M. Doc Cassini's fabulous question of Sidious being helpful or hurtful in the Star Wars universe. So as we say goodbye on our journey on the last podcast, I want to thank everybody for taking a listen. And especially, I want to have a shout out to Matt for his kind words that he sent me over direct message on Instagram. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. M underscore J underscore C 301. I appreciate that super shout out. It means the world to me that I'm hitting the uh, the ears of several people around uh, the Star Wars galaxy, as they say. As always, we shout it out to the WePod squad, uh, Greg and Sam of We Podcast and We Know Things, Ryan Simmons of the Ion Ryan Show. I know schedules are busy. I know things are getting a little clunky, but keep on listening. Keep on keeping on. Do the follow. Subscribe to everybody. Uh, at we podcast and we know things on Instagram at Ion Ryan on Instagram and at the MRC Tech on Instagram and of course we ask for your generous donations to the show if you head on over to MRCTechLLC.com backslash become a fan go down to the donate button you can donate a dollar five dollar whatever you want uh, any donation gets you a sticker and I'm working on getting t-shirts made but I have to get a little bit of money to get those t-shirts made and then we'll start selling them off so if you have any suggestions let me know please rate and review the show on apple Podcasts, google play spotify and anywhere you anywhere else you can listen to the show and as they say in a galaxy far far away i am your host sean of the last podcast this has been episode 12 and may the force be with you MRC Tech presents The Last Podcast, copyrighted 2019, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music credits to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Music by Chillhop.com. Star Wars covers featured by Unicorn Studios and Pandemic on YouTube. This has been The Last Podcast. Visit the website www.mrctechllc.com for more information.